Well, my name is Scott Sokol, and for, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the pastor over at One Vision. And I've, I've, I've talked about One Vision here a number of times. I'm not going to give you my infomercial this morning. But if any of you have questions about the organization, uh, we, serve, uh, we provide services for about 600 people across north central Iowa. And I travel and visit all of them every, every, uh, every six months. I love what I do. And uh, it's a privilege to be here. Um, I'm, I'm, I've known the Dollins for a long time. Had the privilege of doing ministry with them over the years. Janie and I knocked down a lot of doors on the north end of Mason City, dragging our kids along, haven't we, Janie? It's been a lot of fun. We've seen a lot of people uh, pray to receive Christ. The title of my message this morning is Failing Forward. And my primary text is going to be Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. And I'm going to be uh, reading out of the new inspired version, the NIV. I guess it's not that new because it came out back in the 80s, but I've had a hard time shaking it. There was a famous faith healer that stepped up onto the platform of a large coliseum and he announced, I have faith today that there are two people that are going to be healed here. Where are you? So one gentleman had come running down out of the bleachers and up on the stage and the faith healer asked him, what is your name? He said, my name is Lowey. What's, what's your problem, Larry? I can't speak white. I have a speech impediment. He goes, okay, Larry, I want you to go behind the curtain. Then another gentleman comes, comes up on crutches, and with the help of a couple of attendants, he's brought up onto the platform. And the faith healer said, what is your name? And he says, my name is Frank, and I've not been able to walk for, without crutches for 20 years. He says, okay, Frank, I want you to go back behind the curtain with Larry. Then after, after praying a marvelous prayer, he announces, Frank, you've been healed. I want you to slide your crutches out from underneath the curtain one at a time. And as he did, the place just went wild. Then he broke the crutches over his knee one at a time, and everybody was on their feet applauding. And then he says, all right, Larry, this is, uh, you've been healed also, and the next words you speak are going to be the first words you've ever been able to speak normally in your whole life. He says, what would you like to say this morning? And he says, Frank fell down. <laughs> Frank fell down. I've told that joke a couple times, it's got mixed responses. <laughs> and so my question is, have you ever fallen down in your Christian walk? Have you ever been uh, tripped up by sin or even the devil himself? Well, you're not a failure because you fall. You're only a failure if you do not get back up again. As a matter of fact, the secret to the Christian life is getting up after you fall. We read in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, For though a righteous man falls seven times, he will rise again. But the wicked are brought down in calamity. Now, what would you think about a minister who, in a crowd of people, would deny knowing Jesus? Well, that's exactly what Peter did in our passage today. But in spite of Peter's failures, in spite of, in spite of his faults, God gave him a new start. And Peter learned how to fail forward. Let's look now at our passage that, that uh, chronicles Peter's failure. Peter's failure. 
Luke chapter 22, verses 54 through 62. Then seizing him, Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I do not know him, he said. A little later, someone saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, he replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow is with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And Peter went outside and wept bitterly. So this morning I want to talk to you about three things about failure and then three wonderful truths that you and I can cling to in the midst of it. Let me pray for us as we begin. Lord, I thank you so much uh, for the privilege of being here in your house with your people. Lord, I want to lift up the dollars to you. I know what it's like to lose people I love. And even though we know, we know that, uh, that Jeff's father was a Christ follower, we know that the minute he took his last breath, he was in your presence, where there's no more sickness, no more suffering, no more pain. Despite that, Lord, we know there's a time of grieving. So I just pray for protection for the Dallins at this time. I pray, Lord, that after a time of, of sadness, that they would be flooded with all the good memories, Lord. I pray for protection. I pray for your blessing on them, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that during these times, we would be encouragers and comforters. Lord, as we look into your word this morning, I pray you would clear any distractions from our, from our minds, things that would cause us to, to wander and not focus in on what you have for us. Most of all, Lord, I pray you'd be glorified here today in the things that we say, in the things that we do, and even in our thoughts. We give you all the glory, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first thing about failure is that failure does not have to be a hitching post. Instead, it can be a guidepost. The reality is, friends, that we can learn a lot from our failures. And God has the ability of working good out even in the worst situation. Over the years, I've met many people that have had a very low self-esteem spiritually. They believe that God views them as a composite of all their failures. When I was a child, when I was a young man, my dad did not introduce me as Scott, his son who had set the house on fire and later set the barn on fire. He did not introduce me as Scott who had wrecked six cars and several motorcycles before he graduated high school. Or even Scott who was arrested for breaking and entering, although those things all happened. You see, my, my earthly father had no need for those kind of memories. Friends, our heavenly father has no need for them either. Because in Psalm 103, verse 12, we read, 
As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, friends, that's not to say that there are not consequences for sin because we do reap what we sow. If we wreck our car, we still have to get it fixed, right? But from the judgmental perspective, God does not hold those sins against us. Now, the second thing about failure is that if we fail, it will probably be in the area of our greatest strength. Let's look at Peter for a moment. Peter's greatest strength was his courage. Sometimes we criticize Peter for taking his eyes off the Lord when he was walking on the Sea of Galilee and beginning to sink. But at least Peter got out of the boat. And when the soldiers came to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was Peter alone who drew his sword to protect the Lord. But then it was this same big burly fisherman who cowered in a courtyard in front of a teenage girl in the area of his greatest strength. Let's look at some other examples in the Bible. Look at Moses. Scriptures tell us that Moses was the meekest of men. Now, meekness is defined as strength under control. But what did Moses do? In anger, he struck and killed an Egyptian. And later on at Kadesh Barnea, he struck a rock twice, which prevented him from entering the promised land. Look at Abraham. Abraham was called the father of faith. But after Abraham left the land of Canaan and went into Egypt, he lied about Sarah being his wife because he did not have enough faith that God could protect him. He failed in the area of his greatest strength. Look at David. The scriptures describe David as a, a man after God's own heart, the apple of God's eye. But this same David committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba. None of these men failed in the areas of their weakness. Instead, they failed in the areas of their strength because we have a, a habit of leaving our strengths unguarded. Now, in contrast, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And he says that, friends, because when we are weak, we depend upon the Lord. Now, Peter was a brave man, and we can admire his words in verse 33 when he says, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and unto death. But there's a difference between saying something like that and saying what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, that I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, the third thing about failure is that before we sin, the devil is our tempter. After we sin, the devil is our accuser. Now, what I mean by that, friends, is before we sin, the devil tempts us by saying, go ahead, you can do that, you can get away with that. No one will ever know. But after we sin and we've committed that, that, that uh, sin against God, he whispers into our ear, you've blown it big time. You are worthless. God doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. Friend, make no mistake about it. Satan's goal is not only that you fall, but that you will stay down. And so let's learn together how to fail forward. 
Now let me shift gears and share with you three wonderful truths that should be an encouragement of all of us here this morning. The first truth is, even when we fail, God is sovereign. Now sovereign means that God is in control. And in Luke chapter 22, that rooster crowing was evidence that God was in control. Because you see, that morning in Jerusalem, God shut the, the mouths of hundreds of roosters until the precise moment that Peter had denied him for the third time. At that moment, when Peter denied Christ, Peter was at his lowest. He was at his worst. Peter was out of control. But that rooster crowing that morning was Jesus letting Peter know, Peter, even though you have failed, I am still in control. I am still sovereign. So we need how to learn how to fail forward. And part of this is remembering that God is sovereign. God orders our steps. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. And friends, that includes our failures. God can make lemonade out of the lemons in our life. And so when you fail, I didn't say if, when you fail, lay the broken pieces at the Lord's feet. You may feel that you've blown it big time, and maybe you have. But friend, God still has a plan for your life. He still loves you. And how do we know that? Because you are still breathing. The second wonderful truth is when we fail, God is sympathetic. We read in Luke chapter 22, verse 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster grows today, you will deny me three times. So at that moment when Peter denied the Lord for the third time, he saw Jesus and their eyes met. And what Peter saw was not a look of anger or disappointment. What he saw was love. Friends, we need to remember that God is not changing us so that he can love us. But instead, God loves us and therefore he changes us. God does not love us because we are valuable but instead we are valuable because God loves us. We read in Psalm chapter 103, verses 13 and 14, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we were formed. He remembers that we were dust. Friends, that is unconditional love. The same kind of love that I hope we share with our own children. But again, we need to remember that God's love, his mercy, his grace is not a license for us to sin. Anyone, anyone who believes that is deceived and in for a very bumpy, unhappy ride. But it is good to know that when we fall, he is sympathetic and that he is sovereign. There was a couple named 
Parker in Glossy, York, and they were getting up in years. Flossie got Alzheimer's gradually, but eventually everything that she said was incoherent. Mr. York recounted how eventually he had to do everything for her. He had to feed her, he had to bathe her, he even had to diaper her. And then one day they were sitting in the living room and miraculously she stepped out of her illness for a moment, looked at him and said, Parker, do you still want me? He said it just broke his heart. He ran to her and he said, Fossey, of course I still want you. The greatest privilege of my life right now is being able to take care of you. Then she smiled and as quickly as she stepped out of the illness, she stepped back in. I think that some of us feel that way at times when we fail God. We wonder, God, do you still want me? And the answer, friends, is he does still want you. He still loves you. All he's doing is waiting for you to turn back to him, repent of your sins, enter back into his fold. Because when we, say, when we fail, he is sympathetic. Now, the third wonderful truth is when we fail, we are still secure. Earlier in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verses 31 and 32, Jesus warns Peter, saying, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, you will strengthen your brothers. And so Satan had asked for permission to sift Peter as wheat. Notice he had to ask. Jesus allowed this process in Peter's life in order to cleanse him. You see, the Lord knew that there were some things in Peter's life that he would not have been aware of if he hadn't gone through this process. Satan wanted to save Peter to condemn him. Peter allowed it, or God allowed it for Peter's glory. So you take, take comfort in this this morning, friends. That God is not concentrating on your flaws. He's not concentrating on the, the chaff in your life. Because he sees beyond that he wants to cleanse you. Maybe you're here this morning and you have failed in your walk with the Lord. Well, who hasn't? Maybe you've fallen down. If so, get back up again. You're not a failure because you fall. You're only a failure if you do not get back up. The secret to success is getting up once more than you fall. Friends, I hope that you can sense the sovereign hand of God in your struggles. Hope you can. And in the midst of our struggles, we need to remember that God is sovereign, God is sympathetic, and even when we fall, we are secure in his hands. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.